You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Welcome to the Weekly Review, our weekly grapple with the cultural issues of the day. My name is Ben Cardew. Johan is off having his muscles seen to, and Ma is as fragrant as ever after a weekend in a bungalow. This week we look back on the weekend, talk about the problems of touring, examine Taylor's ticketing tribulations, and review Brockhampton's last, not last, album, The Family. But first... That is Gorilla Toss, uh, our new favourite band. I'm saying, oh, are they your new favourite band, Ma? Yes, I think they have a lot of new favourite bands. Ah, uh, that's 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 the right way to be. Go on, <laughs> who, who are some of the, your new favourite bands? Um, Confidence Man, um, Grey's Eyes, Miso Extra, um, a lot of them, like... Anyone who played at Weekender, suddenly I must stand. I I'm, I have to be honest, I, I even man, like I skipped some of the concerts because maybe I was doing an interview Good or maybe Lord. I was having Good dinner <laughs> or something. I don't know. Um, but the ones I saw, there's no one I thought, what the hell is that? And left. Like I stayed for each concert I entered. Very- I, Dedicated music fan. Yeah, no. Suddenly, maybe suddenly I am, or maybe everyone I got like lucky and I saw the best ones. What did you make of the mixture of older, uh, newer, and and sort of older bands? Yeah, I must say I maybe just went to the new ones, so <laughs> I didn't get the experience to like see like older bands. I didn't notice you getting down to slow dive by my side. Yeah. Do you like slow dive? Did you uh, see slow dive? Do you have any I, opinion? I maybe was having dinner when they were playing, so I didn't <laughs> see them. I'm not gonna um, say something bad if I didn't see them. So maybe I would have enjoyed it. Tell me about Miso Extra. I I saw you interviewed her. I did. Yes. How was she? Because I was supposed to be there, but I hadn't made it to Benidorm yet. So you got the exclusive to uh, talk to her. She was really, really cool. Like, um, because I, well, we we both wrote wrote out questions for her, didn't we? And mm-hmm. I found that there wasn't. She hadn't done all that many interviews, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we would go back over interviews trying to find stuff. Um, and so I didn't know all that much about her, um, which is sometimes quite an interesting place to start with, with an artist because you can actually ask, you know, the most the most basic 
questions, mm-hmm. you know, that you wouldn't ask of someone who's like done, done five albums or whatever. Like, you know, what, what the miso verse is. Mm-hmm. And also, the thing I like about new artists is you can ask those basic questions and they're happy to give... It's not well. It's not that other artists aren't happy to give an answer, but it's like it's kind of fresh, you know. Yeah, exactly. Been after 10, she hasn't ten... told this like a thousand times. Like maybe it's just a couple interviews she's been to. No, I thought she was like really. I mean, she's really nice, really friendly, really enthusiastic. Um, really, I felt she really knew what she was doing and had her world quite defined. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like you know, her yeah. band all wore those sort of adapted Japan football shirts yeah which I thought was very good I wanted one I wanted one like I I went to her Instagram to see if she's selling them like as merch but I think she's just doing it for herself do you know I saw right at the end of the gig she was giving something out and I was like oh my god is that if that's Japanese football shirts I'm gonna have to go to the front and beat you know beat (laughs) people yeah I mean obviously I wouldn't do that but it was just stickers I would I would beat someone for that t-shirt yeah Wow, you're quite tall so, as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so be that's, careful. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe that's why she doesn't give them out. <laughs> yeah, she knows. But also, like, she she's quite typical, I think, of a lot of artists these days that um, know, kind of really know how to create a world around their doing, know what's right for them, know what exactly what they want. No, like, because, for example, you know, she, she made it very clear well, she she used Japanese in the, in the interview. You know, she sort of said hello and, and goodbye. I assume I don't speak Japanese in the interview. Mm-hmm. You know, which like obviously because uh, she is half Japanese. She speaks she speaks Japanese. Was very you know it's an interesting kind of aesthetic choice to make. Um, I mean, maybe it's not a choice. Maybe it's just what she does naturally. But like what I mean is, you know, the rest of the interview wasn't in Japanese, so she did that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just thought she was really and also kind of nice. Like I, I I said something like, oh, someone called you the 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 best producer of Japanese hip-hop in, in London. She was like, oh, wow, I can't believe that. I was like, yeah, well, you know, some, <laughs> someone said it. Take take the compliment. Um, so, yeah, she was great. And I, I, went, I missed the first bit of the gig because I was doing something else. But um, I saw the, the the second half. So, what? yeah, what did you what did you think? Um, I must say I missed the gig too. Um, you did not. I was like, should I lie? <laughs> <laughs> you, well, you just have lied or you very heavily implied that you saw it. I saw her like around the the camp, like the, the resort. And I was like, she's so cool. Like she had a cool hairstyle and just her aura was like really cool. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what the reason I missed. Maybe because... I'm stupid and I didn't look well at the timetables, but it's something I really wanted to see. And I remember like looking, oh, who's playing? When is Miso playing? And then I saw she had already performed and I was like, damn it. Not only did I miss the interview, I also missed the show. I'm really on my own in the Misoverse here, aren't I? Yeah, no, but I will listen to the, you just explained a bit, but I want to listen to the interview because I really wanted to talk to her, but at, at least I can listen your questions what i'll say about the gig that really surprised me was um her music sounds very bedroomy in a way i mean i think it was largely made in her bedroom you know during pandemic times um but it really comes alive on stage like she's got a four-person band so someone on bass someone on keyboards someone uh no three-person band but then her someone on on drums and they kind of make it quite jazzy and funky and really kind of bring it to life which i wasn't i guess i wasn't necessarily expecting because i mean to give Another example, Yule. Mm-hmm. Did you see the Yule gig? Um, I was at the mainline stage oh my at that God. time. Yeah, I'm, I just I I know, never know how to choose. 
I, I do not go from one to the other. I do that all yeah, the time. Yeah, I should have because they're right next to each. Like, yeah, my bad. But you all um, was basically just performing uh, in front of a backing track. Apart from uh, they strapped on a guitar later, and I was maybe expecting the expecting the same thing of Miso Extra. You know, because Yul has been around for for years and is mm-hmm. more of an established artist. Um, but no, Miso put on you know full band show and it was really good as well. Like really kind of you know I'm not one of these people that's like oh you've got to play for 18 years before you can take up the mm-hmm. guitar, but it was really really good. Nice. Who? Well, maybe that's not. Do you have a favorite interview you did? Oh man, well, someone I, who maybe like, yeah, I don't know. I, that, that, that's that's hard to say because every, everyone was so nice. Exactly, exactly. Everyone was so nice. I was really worried. You can be a testimony to that. That I was really worried about the interviews. I was like, I don't know, guys. I don't know how to prepare them. I'm so scared. And all of them went really good. <laughs> everyone was so nice, and I I think everyone like was comfortable. I. I had a great time. I mean, we've done. I was thinking about this over this year. How many interviews have we done? <laughs> like, we've probably done thousand. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least fifty. Yeah, I mean, probably probably more than fifty. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, at the main festival itself, we did like thirty between us or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and we just did like about ten. Well, anyway, we've done a lot, and like only. One yeah. went slightly <laughs> weird, and I enjoyed that, but in a slightly yeah, now that it has gone by, I I kind of enjoyed it. But I remember being a bit angry at the time, but I, not in the weekender. In this one, there we had no. like none of them went like me, like not even saying like oh maybe this one was a bit boring or maybe this one. I feel like all of them went great. I mean, I I, I used to I, I remember. Uh, I used to occasionally say, "Oh, that in- that interview was was quite boring." Well, they must be an in- like a boring artist. And then somebody said to me, "No, if the interview's boring, it's your your fault." And <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Yeah, you're right. You're you know? right. It's my job <laughs> to make it interesting." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it makes me like so nervous to interview people because I have this pressure. Like, I have to make it interesting. What if I was them, or if I was a listener? What I would I want to know? And oh, it's so much pressure. But I think I think we can say we did a great job. So you can pretty soon listen to them. Yeah, we will be yeah. releasing them like slowly. I think um, each week or so we will be releasing the interviews with it. So stay tuned for that. I mean, I, w- I was um, well. Let me just say good things about all the interviews I did. Um, Slow Dive were a band I've loved for ages, and uh, they're you know. Lots to talk about, and one of those I was slightly worried about. You know, would I have like interesting things to say? But the, the Neil who did it was absolutely brilliant. Charlotte Adichery and Bolis Pupol, mm-hmm. I've rarely laughed as much in the interview. They're really good. Miso Extra, as I said, was really charming. Um, Grace Ives, you and Johan did that looked great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the only one I did Friday, and we had a great time. I think I think she also liked it. Yeah, I got that impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Gorilla Toss were uh, entirely charming a band I've really come around to, to like it's nice to get three of them all um, and that was I thought interesting mixture between the very personal you know talking about getting sober and that kind of thing and, and the more you know open uh, Nilifer well you know I love Nilifer mm. uh, Arab Strap took me very much back to my Scottish roots <laughs> um, Mickey Blanco I thought I thought you and Johan did a great were job were you there? 
I was, yes, yeah. Um, Did you not see me on the side? No, because I'm, when I'm like interviewing, I have to look at the artist and not if people are listening because I, otherwise I get like nervous. Like, oh, okay. oh my God, people are judging me. Um, but I think Mickey, I, it's one of my favorite interviews I have ever like done. Not not because of me, but because of um, their answers were like kind of emotional. Like uh, I I really liked it, and and then. They got along with Johan a lot because Johan understood a lot of the musical references um, they had, and and I I I had a great time. I I think it's one of my favorites, and I loved them all. But this one had like a, I don't know. Um, they spoke from like especially the last um, question with it. It was a like an emotional answer in a good way. I you know it was a, it was a really good interview and it was quite interesting because we we saw Mickey um oh you weren't there on on Thursday night but we went out on Thursday night mm-hmm. and and Mickey was there and kind of having a a great time in in various uh bars in Benidorm we got to have a bit of bit of a chat there but mainly Mickey was talking to other people um and um then the interview came along and it was it, it was almost like I expected more playful chat, which is kind of what we've been doing, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it was, it was, it was pretty serious, not, yeah, not in a boring yeah. in way, a but yeah. way, in yeah, a good yeah. way, in a good way, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought the same thing, like, oh, maybe because I, I had already seen them like um, in the camp and stuff, and and they're so fun and stuff. And I was like, maybe I did like the wrong kind of questions because I, I didn't know them personally. And and then talking, um, I. It was like a different vibe, like a more like insightful and like obviously people have different aspects and they can have fun and then they can be like serious and then they and and I had a, a great time. What about confidence man? Everyone seems to fall in love with them in yeah. in, in the office. Which I did too. Like um, <laughs> it was a very fun interview. They're like so much fun. Like the, the kind of humor I like. Like like ser- like. Um, serious face and then saying something that's like a joke and you have to like think like are they joking are they not oh my god um, and and they have like the straight face all, all along I had a great time and the show was amazing obviously like who goes to a confidence man show and doesn't enjoy it okay I didn't see the show because I was like oh I've seen them before I can go and do something else which uh, I'm realizing was a mistake because when I when I saw them it was a few years ago it was a small show and they were really good, but I think they've like put it up several notches, mm. right? I mean, tell tell us about them, the show. Um, it's like imagine like having the greatest time with your friends and that kind of fun that you're like, I don't care what people think. I'm just gonna dance the stupidest way and and have like the most fun ever. I'm gonna enjoy the space, like make like um. How do you say aprofitar? Um, take advantage of take it. Take advantage of each space of of the, the the place you're in. In their case, the stage, and make it the most. And and they did. And the costumes. Let's let's not forget they have amazing costumes. And it's an it's a if you have the opportunity to go, you will enjoy it. Like this applies to everyone listening. I feel like. Yeah, it's not like it's one of those things. It's like. You could listen to the records, and even if you you think it's not for you, go and see them. Because yeah, because the, yeah, exactly. Like maybe you're not into this kind of music, like poppy eighties, um, 
electronic, I don't know, I don't know the music terms, but kind of this, like, and maybe you're not into it, like listening while you're in the train or whatever, but the live show, everyone is going to have a great time. Like I, I it applies to every person loving each genre or whatever genre they're into, they're going to love uh, a performance by Confidence Man. So one of the interviews we did was Yule. Uh, yeah. I really I really yeah. enjoyed that because most, most of the interviews we did were at our, our studio. Um, and Yule didn't want to come to the studio, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. So, so we uh, went off to their cabin. Um, and I really didn't know what to expect because I'd listened to lots of Yule's music. I'd seen pictures. Um, and initially we were going to do the interview outside the cabin and then mm. the tour manager was like, all right, come in, come in. And you were standing there just dressed spectacularly. Yeah. It was like, I think the gig was like about four hours away, but you mm. was, like, I, I don't know if you'll ever... Yeah. doesn't dress like that. Exactly. I was like, well, yeah, how, yeah, how yeah. do you exist? Like, <laughs> yeah. outside? Because the cabin was set up really interestingly as well. Obviously, yeah. I'm not going to go too much into it because someone's like private place, but it was like, there were, it, it looked very Yule. You yeah, know? everything, like going there, I was like expecting to like to have like the experience we had. And then I was like, of course, it, um, it's not going to look like, everything's going to look like Yule's aesthetic because it's just a cabin in a random resort. But it did. And I was like, oh my God, I love it. Like everything she is around or they're around, um, it, it has their essence and it's so incredible. Like everything um, they owned, like look Yule. Yeah, well, it was theirs. So it makes sense, but I don't know how to explain it. You get it. I no, guess. I, I know. I, th- I think there was like a was there was like a, a teddy bear that had two heads or something like that, which was one of the things like that because it was like slightly cute, slightly yeah, grotesque, yeah, very weird. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah. wow, that that is amazing. I could have, I could have spent hours in there asking your questions. I think we only asked about about three, and in the end, I kind of felt like, well, we've we've taken enough of their time. Yeah, because she, they they had a lot of like great answers and. And it was difficult, like, you wouldn't cut them, like, okay, enough. Because everything they said was so interesting. I was like, just go on, please. I want to listen to you, like, all day. And uh, you asked you about glitch feminism, which was really interesting. And, like, like they were really excited that you'd heard of it, right? Yeah, or- yeah, yeah. I was like, maybe they know about it and they don't like it. I'm just going to say it because it reminds me so much of... of their concept and stuff and she was like yeah I've read it of course I've read it and and they said like they had like responses to it and I was like I'm not joking just please send it to me I I really because I also reading that I would recommend anyone to read Glitch Feminism especially if you're into Yule and stuff that you're gonna love it and and she they said like they they had like responses to to the book and I I would love to see like a conversation um, of theirs um, having read the book. like, well, What is glitch feminism? Because uh, we didn't get into it so much in the interview. It, it's a it's a book or academ- academic paper? It's, it's a book, um, but kind of academic. Um, maybe I can have a section one day, like breaking down what glitch feminism is. Like maybe I, I can write like a sort of essay on what it, um, so you you understand because now I would do like a bad job trying to like explain it very quickly, and I think it it deserves a lot of more time. 
Okay, fair enough. Uh, and that leaves with the, I think the one interview we haven't talked about is They Hate Change. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you know what happened to me, right? We divide the interviews out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I did some alone, um, just because I was the first one there. I did some with Johan, I did some with you, You and you did some with Johan, which I wasn't part in. And I actually felt myself genuinely like, oh, I wish I was part of this interview. Yeah. You know, like all, all of the all of the ones you did because they're really good. I was like, oh, wow, I, I, I should... I should be there, even though I was like, well, you know. Yeah, I, I remember preparing the interview and thinking, Ben would have loved this one, but I'm not going to like tell him to do more like work stuff. Like, he has enough, but I know you would get along with them. What did you make of the food? Oh my God, I love the food. <laughs> oh my, I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad. It's I... like a movie, like a, like a bad, like, I, I don't even know who, like John Waters' movie, if it was like a catering. Like it literally is that, especially the desserts. I love the desserts. They're like so grotesque and like, how do they even dare to exist? It's fascinating to me. Like, I love your existence. Like, I, I, I wouldn't even have words, not even in Spanish, to describe the dessert catering. There, there's It's so amazing. There was that pink dessert we were talking to you all about, wasn't there? And we yeah. all got very excited yeah. about it. Yeah, And you've put it in your TikTok roundup, yeah, haven't you? I think it's very important when doing a weekend of recap that people get to see some of the desserts. Like, there are some cakes that have like, like, if there was like an image printed on them, but then it's blurry, but then it's kind of messed up so it's kind of scary like this is like literal poison like there's no other way but at the same time it's like glitch dessert <laughs> totally it is yeah like literally like uh, it scares me it fascinates me it amazes me every every emotion is encapsulated in a weird looking cake at Benidorm uh, I'm gonna say I'm just looking at your Twitch TikTok lineup now um, and it's only only Got 14 uh, hearts. Yeah. What's wrong with because, people? Get on with um, it. Okay, people follow Radio Primavera Sound in TikTok. I, a lot of people already do, so thank you for that. But I um, the, algor- the TikTok algorithm has a problem when I post TikToks that I like created from videos I have on my phone and it's not like in the studio. Like I feel like the algorithm loves the red curtains that we have in the really? studio, but hates when it's outside that, like, just stick to podcasts. Don't try to be, like, funny, because last year <laughs> I already, like, um, I did something similar that got a, a bit more love than this one, but still it didn't work that much. So I I try not to do that many um, of own own TikToks like that I do, because I know it's going to flop. I met someone in Los Angeles who works for TikTok and I really wanted to pick their brain about algorithm stuff, about like... Because I, I think I've explained my theory of TikTok, um, which is only a theory uh, mm-hmm. and probably not true, that basically when you first post a video, they give you loads of plays. So you're like, yes! And then they kind of like... Uh, the next few, you get less and less and less until it sort of settles down into normality. No, but then suddenly you get a viral one. So... We- you don't lose all hope at all. Like, once you're about to lose all hope and be like, okay, it's our flop era, then th- you get a viral one. So you get a 
hopeful again and then it flops again. So Hang on, I've lost all hope. I've lost all hope. Then, then you should do a new one and this one is going to be viral. Okay, I, I, I will do. Uh, shall we listen to a quick song and then uh, well, we're going to talk about the problems of touring. Finally made it back in time. Um, so we're Ben, um, Mar, we were at the Weekender this last weekend and uh, we saw many incredible bands. Most of the bands that play at Weekender are upcoming or they're bands that have been a- around a while but are still in that. Uh, they'd be the small letters or the medium-sized letters in a festival bill. They're bands that tour the DIY circuit, the punk circuit, or or the lower, low-key indie circuit. We don't, you know, the biggest bands playing The Weekender were bands like Slow Dive, who are a legacy act, or um, Arab Strap. Uh, you know, they're bands that have incredible streaming figures because they've got 20-plus year careers, and they're super well-respected, and they can still go out on tour and fill medium-sized venues or smaller venues and make it an, an affordable enterprise. But what we, what I, what I perceived from interviewing a lot of these bands was that some of them uh, barely make ends meet sometimes uh, on on touring, and it's it's very tragic because ever since file sharing and all this that you know, the other, ever since artists don't cannot rely on the revenue and the income they could make from album sales, which is their great creative effort, no, making music and, and connecting with audiences through music, uh, they rely heavily on touring. And uh, speaking to many of the artists, especially one in particular, uh, I'm going to mention his her, their name, uh, Mickey Blanco. Um, Mickey Blanco had an unfortunate circumstance at the Weekender uh, where... They were they 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 decided to they they stopped performing uh, for reasons that are that the band will probably disclose further along. But Mickey took to social media to make a, a series of posts on their stories, uh, condemning the situ- the touring situation for artists, including legacy artists like themselves. Uh, post COVID, apparently post COVID. During COVID, something happened, which was many of the venues, especially the smaller sized venues, had a tough time staying open, uh, keeping their workers on a payroll um, without without people coming to the gigs because gigs were totally prohibited, right? Uh, for healthy for health reasons. Uh, so what has happened? According to many artists, and we've seen artists like Animal Collective or Santigold uh, pulling tours because they have met, done the numbers and it just 
it just doesn't work out. Even if things go super well, and we're talking like maybe not a sold out show, but like a 70% capacity show, even and even sold out shows didn't make the numbers work. So it's such a shame that artists are finding this scenario. Whereas you keep reading about um, big conglomerates and big companies that that that, that make a, a lot of money from the live music uh, business, like Live Nation and Ticketmaster, and which are which are which merged, and uh, AEG and all the all the big concert promoters and festival promoters, including ourselves, Rare Sound. Uh, there seems to be an, an okay situation there, but for the artists who are precisely the people who feed the content, who feed the desire to go and buy tickets to see a show. Uh, there, some of them are struggling to uh, carry on touring. I mean, I, I think it's even more complicated than that because I think some promoters are doing well and some promoters are doing very badly indeed and like some venues are doing very badly indeed and it just seems like in, in many ways everyone's kind of struggling. Like um, uh, I've been seeing lots of venues in the UK talking about the increase in energy costs means they're, they're going to have to shut down and they've already had the difficulties of COVID. So you're like, oh, no, 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 they're, well, they're, they're, you know, kind of going to do something for the venues. Then you see artists aren't making money. You're like, oh, hang on, you could do something. And it's like, it, it seems that the whole live music industry isn't isn't very healthy. And one, one thing that I really thought about, one thing I noticed um, at the weekend, we talked to... Three people, I think it was their last gig. Or I, Nilufer, I did. Nilufer, it was Nilufer, her last yeah. night of the tour. Um, Grace Ives and Gorilla Toss and Gorilla Toss and Arab Strap, actually. Yeah, I did. And talk Arab to Strap. Gra- yeah. Um, and I, I, I sort of I thought it was interesting to see see how they they felt after all of it. Like you know, I didn't get any euphoria. Like mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're on had like they, they seem. All they all seemed like happy enough, but there wasn't any like, wow, we've just done the tour. It's been yeah. I got I got the impression it'd been like they were tired and they were glad to head home and rest. Yeah, and yeah. Nilufer's young. Nilufer is Nilufer is what uh, under 24, 24, 25, You know, but but you could. Uh, uh, I loved her show, and but I'm, I was surprised that she picked out of all her discography, she picked kind of uh, more chilled numbers, and I was trying to get like, oh, maybe she's going for a certain mood that she wants to create rather than the sort of upbeat tracks. But generally, I've and she did a wonderful show. Her voice was perfect. Uh, it, it sounds just like on the records, and she's got that kind of husky kind of uh, almost, not whisper, but it's it's one of the things that I love the most about the, the, the Nalu for Yanya sound. But sometimes, I don't know, I wasn't, uh, I, I get what you mean, Ben. I wasn't like, wow, this felt like the last show. Like, mm-hmm. this is like, let's go out with a bang. It was like, uh, let's just get this over and done with and let's just head home for some much-deserved rest. I don't know. Well, don't necessarily get this over and done with, but more like, you know, I'm enjoying this. This is, this is good, but like, um, uh, yeah, it just felt like a bit like, um, yeah, not not the massive celebration I was maybe expecting, but then maybe yeah. Nilifa doesn't have those songs to make it into a kind of like vast, like yeah. highly energetic uh, set. Okay. And it was a what ten o'clock in the evening. It was a perfect ten o'clock in the evening show. You know, it wasn't like you're playing two in the morning where you really have to amp it up and stuff. But um, I, I was no, I find myself and worrying for artists a yes. lot of the time. Like I, because I, you know, artists are the one that make it all happen. They're the important people. That you know, and I, I've loved music for so many years, and I would love artists to make loads of money and to be really rich and and happy not necessarily not like rich like you know just like comfortable and that they could because uh, people like for instance 
Mickey Blanco, uh, they told us that they invest a lot of the profits that they might make on tour on making sure they can upgrade the lives of their musicians, their tour managers, their lighting people who go with them. Uh, Mickey upgraded to have a band and a bit of more of a show so that they could be asked to uh, uh, support Florence and the Machine at Madison Square Garden. Uh, that couldn't have happened if it was just them with a, with a backing track, you know, like JPEG Mafia or They Hate Change, which were absolutely amazing. You know, they were, too, you, we got to interview them and, and their setup is very simple. They've got their mm, DAT or I don't know what kind of machine they have launching their beats and they rap over it and it was, you don't need more. But if you want to get into the higher circuit of getting asked to open for Gorillas or one of those big, you know, big acts that fill venues, uh, you got you to gotta put more of a show on. There's got to be more people on stage and that's, well, that's how artists do it. It's like, okay, I'm going to invest. I'm going to save up money and, and invest in being able to pay my musicians uh, what they deserve and, 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 that this, and that we can stay at nicer hotels. Not, it doesn't have to be the Western Palace, but it can be a, you know, a, a, not, not some, I don't know. Um, yeah. and, and I found myself really wondering, and it's absolutely none of my business, but I find myself wondering, like, how much money they make, how they... No, not because it's like, oh, my God, you made this money, but, like, more for, like, yeah. oh, can you afford to come here? You know, yeah. but you must have spent quite a lot of that on flights, and then hotels are expensive, you know, because everything is pretty expensive these days. And to be honest, like, when I when I go to see bands these days, I almost always uh, try to buy a T-shirt because it's yes. like, you know... It goes yeah. straight to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, or maybe the venue, the venue takes some, but then maybe... Oh, Sometimes I think. Yeah, there's been a bit of an issue, particularly in the UK recently. A venue's taking like 25%, I think, of merch, of merch sales. God, and I don't even want to get into the whole Brexit deal with the taxing of uh, British artists playing in Europe and all that. That that, that was just a nightmare. I, I asked Beak about this, right? Beak. Yes. You know, pretty successful Jeff Barrow band. from Portishead's uh, side band. Yeah. Well, um, main band yeah. now. <laughs> uh, and so one of, there's three in the band. One's and, left. One of them's left to for to be part of another band. They 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 said farewell to him. When? Just recent, last week. No. Uh, yeah, I'll look it up. Continue saying what you were going to say. Well, there the, the, there were three in the band, and one of them is <laughs> one of them is the tour manager. You know, to, to kind of keep costs down. And I was like, I was like, you know, what's it like being the tour manager? He's like, well, I'm going to be honest. I don't like doing it, but it's what we have to do to 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 keep on the road. And I asked I asked him about Brexit, and he was like, oh my god, you know, it's like if you have. I, mean, I can't really remember what he said, but like one of the things, like you can't take, I think, more than a thousand pounds worth of merch with you or something like that. What? You know, and like that's not all that much. So even like this merch, which is meant to be making you all the kind of money, uh, won't do. And oh, it's just, it's just harsh. It's just very suffocating for, for so many of these uh, artists who, who, who are happy being in the mid level, you know, who, who, who like not selling out or I don't know what, how to say it but there was a whole thing years ago when bands were being co-opted by brands and doing doing these endorsements and stuff and it was the only way to keep a tour afloat I mean even back in the day back in the 80s I mean when, when Julio Iglesias I mean, oh lord there we go that, well he was Sound one of the, the he was one of the first to do it when he partnered with a very famous refreshment uh, fizzy drink brand uh, that was one of the most successful tours in history because this 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 fizzy drink was able to inject an incredible amount of money into promotion, and uh, you know, obviously, they had their logo everywhere, and uh, and the uh, Julio Iglesias' face was just absolutely 
even in the soup you were drinking, you know, every everywhere his face would appear with the logo, the advertisements, the video clips, uh, you know, all he had to do was just sip on a bottle at some point and stuff. Then Mike Michael Jackson did it with an, with the competing fizzy drink brand. And Michael Jackson was famously paid three times less than Julio Iglesias. What? Yes, yes, by this fizzy drink brand because uh, Michael's people didn't weren't aware of what Julio got paid. Uh, it all came to light recently. Um, yeah, yeah, interesting things. So I'm all I'm all for the endorsement. Like, look, if 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 a shoe brand can pay for for make sure that a that a band travels safely, comfortably, so that they can. You know, put on a fantastic show each night because they're not robots. I mean, I sometimes suffer. I have to DJ every weekend at a, at a restaurant, and some weekends I'm on autopilot. Like, uh, and it's like it's a it's a it's a fun job. You know, like I'm playing the music that I like to play and stuff. But sometimes it's like I would love to sit at home on this rainy Friday afternoon just watching another episode of The Crown with mm-hmm. my bae and my daughter. And you know, I would enough got to come and play for people eating hummus uh, and and it's like sometimes it's autopilot and it's like and I'm comfortable and I'm only like half an hour away cycling from my house imagine you're in like a rainy city you're in war in Warsaw is it still Ra- Ra- how do you pronounce it in Polish Rakow I, I don't know what's wrong with Warsaw <laughs> I know but uh, I don't know because I, I always say, think that the cool way to pronounce it is the autochthonous way <laughs> okay <laughs> like you don't say Barcelona you say Barcelona <laughs> so imagine you're like in, on a Tuesday nice... oh this is another thing I want to say yeah something that Mickey said in in their stories is that uh, because of the post-pandemic aha this is the point I wanted to get at because of the post-pandemic since a lot of the small venues closed or were forced to close or the real estate of the building got sold to some clothing brand to open another yet another fast fashion shop and uh, all these beautiful small legendary venues are closing down to le- make way for capitalism ah! um, uh, a lot of artists are forced when they're on tour in Europe shall we say they are forced to take the Monday or the Tuesday night slot right rather than the the, 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 the sweet Thursday Friday Saturday slots even a Sunday is is better What, uh, and, and Mickey said that Playing on a Monday or a Tuesday means that you're definitely going to sell less tickets than on a Tuesday, on a Thursday or a Friday. Logic, logic. It's yeah. logic. And in the case of Animal Collective, Marina Herlop, who was due to open for them on their European tour, which they were forced to cancel, uh, she said, well, one thing that, that she said, uh, this was a, her supposition, is that Animal Collective's core audience is my age, uh, people older than 40 who have kids. Now, if you're a parent... Going out on a Monday or a t- on a weeknight, especially a Monday or a Tuesday night, uh, to a gig is practically impossible. It's it's harder to to do, uh, and and Animal Collective are sen- and and those kind of bands are sensitive to that fact that their core demographic demographic uh, isn't the most eligible ones to tour or uh, to go out to a gig midweek. So that is another thing. That is another factor to take into account into this touring crisis that's happening at the moment. Well, I think one thing that I think is really interesting um, is that, we, you know, we're talking here about, you know, mid-level bands normally. But like Taylor Swift, who is one of the biggest acts in the entire world, has also been having mm-hmm. considerable problems, this time with ticketing. Mm. Um, and uh, we should say, actually, that, that um, Live Nation uh, were our partner in Primavera Sound, Los Angeles. Yes. Um, so, you know, we're... we're, we're 
we have a, a part in in this. We, you know, we're obviously not speaking for Live Nation or indeed Primavera Sound, but like you know, just to acknowledge that. And so anyway, um, Ma, what happened? No, now, now that I know this information, I, <laughs> I don't want to say anything. <laughs> I, I don't want to, like, compromise, but no, I'm going to say I mean, in the name of, I, I will like, re- Swifty. No, just hang on. For, uh, well, to, to, to explain it in broad terms, uh, the, Taylor Swift's, uh, the, the demand for Taylor Swift tickets broke uh, Ticketmaster's service, uh, online service, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it got to a point where they had to cancel the, the announced sale of the tickets because people were pre-ordering pre-reserving they have this wonderful well and bots were all over the place well that's the thing you see live Ticketmaster is has said publicly one of their things that they have said is that look one of the things we try to do is stamp out bots and one of the ways to control that the bots don't buy up tickets and then later resell them more expensively on other sites uh, is uh, creating these uh, f- uh, fan fan ser- creating like a like fan a code yeah like a fan service like yeah. it's like almost the way it's almost like that little robot uh, prove you're not a robot by mm-hmm. identifying the how many light uh, uh, traffic lights are in this uh, drawing no I think it's one of those systems so they they're they're trying to do their best as one of the leading ticket selling uh, companies in the world uh, but. They got crashed and Taylor was very angry because she had asked them repeatedly, according to her. She's like, she asked, are you guys ready? Do you have the technology to, 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 to withhold the amount of hits you're going to get with this situation? And obviously Taylor is, is, is very hands-on. She's always very worried that the fans get the best buying, uh, ticket buying experience and the most fair as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, I, I've been reading a lot about the situation Um and I don't know if she's worried about the most fair aspect. I think she's worried. Like, I'm a Swifty, um, first of all. Like, trigger warning, I'm not just... You should have told us earlier. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know. <laughs> but uh, I'm not I'm not criticizing her, but I've, I don't understand how it works that much. But apparently, seen, like w- uh, according to what I've read, uh, the t- she announced the ticket um, prices to be like... From 40 up, like 49, which is very affordable, especially when it's the Taylor Swift All Eras Tour, which is the most historic thing to ever happen. (laughs) 49 is nothing. Like everyone can afford, quote unquote, like 49 when it comes to like something historic, like if you, if, yeah, even if you're yeah. a fan that couldn't afford that, you you, you save yeah, up money. Yeah, you can save up. You know or that you, or you, ask yeah. for a birthday present, like for whatever. Like 49, compared to a lot of artists, like sometimes they go up to like the lowest is 100 or something like that. Like, yeah. 49. 49 is fine. Yeah. yeah. She, she said that and everyone was like, oh my God, if they're 49, like the lowest is 49. Everyone will be able, like a lot of more people will be able to go there. So it's going to be insane. But then once you got in the queue and if you ever managed to make it to the point to payment, it turns out that Ticketmaster works in a way that the demand can make price change. Like it's not like a a freeze. Like eBay. Yeah. You can uh, auction. Yeah, apparently. Like so people were going crazy. Yeah, people, I, I don't know if it's like, a, I, I understand it goes like this way. Um, so there was no ticket that was $49. Like people have paid like $5,000 or something like that. The people that have managed 
to get hands on this ticket who are like a quarter of the people who were online going crazy to get them are, are paid like so much money that they're not they're not happy either to have the ticket like they're they have like a, this like buyer's guilt like yeah. I just spent five thousand dollars on a concert ticket and then the other people who spend like hours trying to get hands on on them and and then they got to reach the end of the online queue and then they saw they were sold out and then they discovered that the actual sale was cancelled because every ticket was sold at the pre-sale so everyone's mad that there's no one that's happy and I feel like yeah. maybe the only people happy are mm, Ticketmaster who just made like a very good they, I bet they're not happy they're though, not happy then. they're being in the, the United States Department of Justice is opening oh, an yeah, antitrust true. investigation into Live Nation Entertainment the New York Times reports I'm reading this off Pitchfork okay the company which owns Ticketmaster has faced increased scrutiny after fans struggled to buy tickets to Taylor Swift's era tour, era's tour the investigation according to the Times is focused on whether Live Nation Entertainment has abused its power over the multi-billion dollar live music industry um, and, and even Joe Biden and Alexandra Casio yeah. Cortez, AOC, AOC <laughs> uh, have have said it's like look they have a monopoly and yeah. it's time that mm, they get reckoned with a little bit because this is creating a situation which is not like very this, fair yeah. and uh, yeah. But mm. one of, one of the really difficult things about this that I found really hard is that one of the reasons they have dynamic pricing is because it's like look if we put all the tickets at fifty dollars, mm-hmm. touts are going to buy them and they're going to sell them back to you for five hundred. Yeah. yeah. Now. We but if they have like the code thing, like well, yeah, I, I'm not even uh, sure if that works. But like, I mean, and maybe we're talking about other other examples. And it's like, well, uh, who who would I prefer the money to go to? I would prefer it to go to the promoter and and Taylor Swift than than to Touts. You know, no, nothing against Touts. I mean, they they do a they you know they they do a job. It's it's legal, you know. But I would prefer the money to go back to the artist or the promoter. Who? But who, who, would you rather like someone spend five thousand dollars? Because of that, I don't know. No, but would you rather someone spend $5,000 with a tout or with the official people? Well, that's what Bruce Springsteen has said, right? He's also under a little bit of criticism because uh, the same thing has happened to Bruce, Bruce Springsteen on his latest tour that he's announced, uh, that people can pay what, you know, they start bidding and tickets were up to $5,000. But the through this system, at least that money goes to Bruce Springsteen's camp. It doesn't go to tout, uh, ticket touts and people making money off uh, corrupting the system. So that's what he said. Uh, I'm going to read a Bruce Springsteen quote. What I do, because I like to put on a voice, <laughs> what I do is very is a very simple thing. I tell my guys, go out and see what everybody else is doing, in, in the sense of what other artists. Let's charge a little less. That's generally the directions, Springsteen said. They go out and set it up. For the past 49 years or however long we've been playing, we've pretty much been out there under market value. I've enjoyed that. It's been great for the fans. But then he went on to say that, look, now I'm, 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 I'm what, how old is he? Now I'm old. Now he's older. Uh, he says, look, uh, <laughs> medical costs, damn it. He didn't say that, but uh, he's in his right to um, enjoy a little bit of this uh, system. I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's up to the fans to decide. I, one thing I found really interesting is this kind of uh, relates to our album of the week as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I it's all right. It. I've got views. I'm on surprised this album. it's not Wise Blood. I know we all decided Brockhampton. Okay, continue. Uh, but but well, Wise Blood is is the best album of all time. <laughs> Wise Blood is great. The, uh, yeah. the album's really good. The but... review would be very fast 
it's amazing. And then Brockhampton, we have a lot more to say. Okay. And and also, really, as I say, it really kind of um, ties into what we're talking about today. Because like one of the things we're talking about is is that being an artist is difficult. Even mm. if you're successful, it's difficult. Like, you know, um, some of the people at the weekend seem, you know, a, a bit tired. And, we, and, you know, Taylor Swift got it in the neck from one of her fans, which I'm sure she absolutely hated. Um, and there are so many ways in which, in which being an artist is difficult. And I think that the Brockhampton album, The Family, is a brilliant examination of why it is difficult being an artist. It's re- it's almost like a soap opera. It's one of the most self-referential albums I've ever heard. <laughs> um, and it, it talks about the story. And, and Brockhampton have a really interesting story. Like, I kind of... I, I always vaguely knew their story, but, you know, like, they, they met on... Um, well, some of them were... They got members um, from a Kanye West forum. They called themselves a boy band, which is very unusual, but, you know, to kind of, like, expand mm. the idea of what a boy band is. They incorporate not just, like, you know, rappers and producers, but people who do, like, make apps and do graphic design and that kind of thing. Um, and also, you don't, even in this day, there aren't that many sort of gay rappers as mm-hmm. they have um, with Kevin Abstract, the... the Sort of lead. So they're a really interesting group. Mm. Oh, and also they signed one of the biggest record deals in history. Like apparently what? Mm. Well, they signed for allegedly $15 million for six albums. That's uh, not... A, that's, that, that, how much did Oasis sign? No, who... What, Robbie Williams, remember when he signed to Warner for like $8 million or something like that? No, well, he signed for, for a lot more. But yeah, uh, but, I mean, okay, $15 million for a new... For a band that hadn't had a massive hit. Oh. You know, like yeah. they'd, oh, they'd already had like three mixtapes by that yeah, point. But like, saturation, you know, one, two, and three. So they weren't like unknown, but at the same time, correct me if I'm wrong, but they weren't massive, massive. You know, it was still like, wow, they got 15, 15 million. Um, and then they uh, announced their split and they announced that this would be the, la- the, the last album, which it actually isn't because then they released another album after it. Um, and it, you get, all of this in the album—it's absolutely fascinating. Like I was listening to it, I listened to it once, sort of on, on sort of for a general listen. I was like, "Yeah, it's really good. Really enjoying the production." And then, like uh, earlier today, I was listening to it on on headphones, really paying attention to what it was saying. Um, and it's just—it's it, just fascinating what it says. It's like it's as I said, it's like a soap opera. It's like literally being in there. And again, you're like, "Well, some of it's really good, but even for this band that have had all this fame, fortune, some of it sucks." Like, um, <laughs> it, there's a track. There's a track, track two, I think it is, called RZA, you know, referencing the... the, the so the Wu-Tang Clan RZA? Yeah, and basically the, the chorus is um, Kevin Abstract saying, like, he's talking about his mum saying, well, why didn't you keep the band together? I know it's hard, but keep the band together. Me and your dad were fighting. We stayed together. And it's like, wow, harsh. Your mum's telling you to kind of, like, you know, keep the album together. And Big Pussy features, like, the, the lyric, the label needed 35 minutes of music, which, again, very self-referential. This album is 35 minutes long. Um, and they signed wow. a six-album deal, and it turns out they're not going to get to the end of it. The family's the fourth, and TM is the fifth, so they didn't get to the end of it. But I, I love Brockhampton. I've been like a Brockhampton like kid, annoying person for <laughs> like since the beginning, and they've been like quitting music for a while. They've quit like four times. I feel like really, it was supposed to be like the saturation thing. Like, it was like an experiment, like, we're going to saturate the music industry and we're going to put out um, albums of, like, each, like, few months, I think. Like the Wu-Tang Clan, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're going to saturate the music industry and we're going to be, like, massive um, all of a sudden just by doing this. And And they did it. And it was like, okay, experiment over. And then they were like, no, 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 never mind. Um... 
we're too famous now, we have to continue. They signed the deal. Then they did shitty albums <laughs> and no one really <laughs> liked them as much as, as, as Saturation. Oh. And they, you could tell they knew like people were not enjoying as much. And then they were like, okay, whatever. Um, we are quitting music. Let's do like a tour and we're done with that. And once they finished the tour, they were like, never mind. There's another album. And then that was good. And then they put it like, it feels like they've been quitting. They were supposed to play at Primavera and they were like, no, no, no. Um, let's do Coachella and that's it because we already queued. They didn't play Primavera in the no, end, did they? No, 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 no. no, no, no. Because they, like, didn't they a lot of people were looking forward to that. Yeah. Me, me. yeah. They were like headliner. Yeah, and they were like, no, 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 we're going to do Coachella and that's it because we quit music with um, Roadrunner and that was our last album and blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly um, they reactivated their Twitter account and, and they said like, oh, new album coming. And it's like, is it like this part of the fun, like quitting all the time? So you don't believe they've quit? I don't. Okay. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, and ever since Jay-Z made it popular to retire and then realized that people are going to pay you more to come back, uh, I think that's just been a move that's been copied by LCD Sound System and everyone ever since. Okay, I would be... Well, I wouldn't be sad if they came back, but I just think this is a very but, good closing act, if that's what they do. You know, it's a very, very clever, sharp, yeah. savvy way of like of doing a last album. Um, and I, yeah, I kind of, I would, I would like it if that was like, that's it. Okay, we are, we are in fact done. I really liked it because I really didn't get that much into Roadrunner, which was supposed to be the last one and stuff. And I was like, oh my god, I'm, I'm just gonna have like make peace. Um, with them and say goodbye to the group with that one and I, I think I listened to it once and that's it but I'm really enjoying Family like I only listened to it once and I thought TM which is like the surprise one um, was the actual album and then to me the, the discovery was Family not the other way around <laughs> and then I was listening to the Family and I was like oh my god I love this one so much more than the other one and the fam like I love it I love the gossiping like I love the fact that they get all like the tea of being inside because yeah. they're like, oh yes, and then we fought, and and I got, and I was so close to this one, and then we had a huge fight, and now it feels different, but whatever. And then in during this the recording of this album, I was not really feeling it, but now blah blah blah, and it's like, oh my god, I'm getting all the inside like scoops of of all these like the drama that went on. During. How about how about this like for a line, good time. Um, which is about how hard it is to be an artist and have a personal life. The kind of outro. Um, basically, Kevin is talking about when you're doing Zoom calls and you're talking with people about personal things. I'm like, yo, make sure we film in this. Keep the camera rolling. That's a toxic relationship. That's what our friendship turned into. I turn everything into art. Wow. What a, what a few lines that is. That's amazing. I love it because they have always been really honest. Like, that's the, the cool part about the band because... Um, I don't know, like rapping about um, being queer and having problems like with being in the industry and having like this kind of boy band and stuff like he's has always like had this thing with honest lyrics and stuff. But this album is, is I, I don't know, I kind of forgot and now they brought it back and I, I'm really enjoying it. Can I say the production is fantastic as well? I'm I, Normally I'm someone who more goes for production in hip hop albums, like... Mm -hmm. In that I can listen to an album with not great lyrics if it's got great production, but the other way around, not so much. Yeah. 
And the production is fantastic. There's like 17 tracks in, in 35 minutes and there's so many ideas. And it's a bit like, it's a bit like when Kanye was good. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, that's is, a, their whole thing. I think that's yeah. why they got famous so fast because the they Kanye were so disciples. good. Yeah, like college dropout yeah. disciples. Yeah, they are. They're like a mixture of Pharrell, uh, peak mm, Pharrell, yeah. uh, graduate era Kanye, and a little bit of odd future in there mm-hmm, as well. Totally. In the sense yeah. Of, yeah, but the reason there's now it's super normal for there to be hip hop collectives where with queer representation, it's. A lot of it is thanks to the great Mickey Blanco, who we send our love to from the weekly review. It was lovely meeting them or encountering them again. And we wish them the best of luck on the rest. I don't know if they're still touring and uh, on this on this leg of the tour. Fantastic album that they released this year. Everybody support Mickey Blanco and support your local artists as well. Exactly. Go and go go buy some t-shirts. Buy the merch, buy the mugs. And artists, uh, make mugs, coffee mugs. The t-shirt, maybe, you know. Make cardigans. Cardigans, water flasks, you know, stuff that that makes us feel good about being um, eco-friendly citizens. Uh, You know, reusable bottles. What's reusable? Um, Towels. Towels. Little towels. Little towels are the best thing, the best, the, uh, the human's best friend. Because in summer, when you're like you sweating, yeah, I love walking around with. Don't forget the towel. Look, I don't want to be, I don't want to be rude, but I would feel a bit disrespectful, you know, wiping the sweat off with a towel from my my favorite. Artist. But it's super rock star as well. Like you know, like rappers would, like Wu Tang Clan would always have their like towels on stage, you know, because they sweat a lot when they're rapping. It's almost like part of like the like if you're a successful MC, you always have a towel around your neck. <laughs> Even if you're on the way to the airport, if you're flying, you know, if you drop coffee on you because the, the airplane ma- finds turbulence, you have a lovely towel to absorb all that excess coffee. Um, anyway, let's listen to a little bit of Bromhampton while we say goodbye. Yeah, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. goodbye. This is 37. I know it's hard, but please just hear what I say. If I could fly through a California night, I'd end up back on 37th Street. With my flannel, with my vans on Out in Brooklyn with Karen making these damn songs This my vacation, this my Cancun To my brothers who I love, I know I failed you Linked up with Amir to see what he been up to I praise God for the days that we been through Some days I face God, some days I see the devil too I was nervous, ain't know what I was getting into Dog, I seen growth, dog, I seen change Wasn't like the old days, it felt different, man My heart skipping the game, my thoughts drifting the game can we get the band back together and be civil again? Empathy's a bitch, man. Mix that bitch with some shame. And some weed and champagne, you end up like me. Trying to make everybody happy when I'm only there for me. I'm searching for healing even when I'm asleep. I'm searching for friends when I'm the one ending things. But I can't be sad about it. It's the life that I lead. You know, getting over you, it ain't been easy for me. So now I'm working through the pain, getting fucked up in between. Like, I know it hurts, but this is my favorite one. 